This evening's shear is sponsored by the Galunter family commemorating the earth site of Saul's uncle, Reb Shraga Feivel ben Reb Nachum Uri, and the Greenbergers commemorating the earth site of Heshi's brother, the earth site of Heshi's brother, Reb Nasha ben Reb Israel Yehuda. Hashem Shavon Aliyah. I learned this evening, just a few minutes ago, the true definition of Torah Lishma. Gil walked in, and he told me he's Fleshik. That's coming to the shear for the right reasons. Okay. <laughs> okay. Next week. Oh, that's right. Okay, so we, we have to ask for Parvice next week. Okay. Okay, anyone? Uh, yes, I, I want to give a plug to uh, hopefully a, a more captive audience uh, around our uh, Gemara here. Uh, next week is the dedication of the Rabbi Shostak, Dafyomi, uh, Hilchrist Dafyomi uh, uh, Chevra. Okay, that's a good way to put it. Um, it is a, uh, a great tribute to uh, Rabbi Shostak, who, uh, as I understand, was a great force in, in trying to encourage the uh, proliferation of Dafyomi in the community, but also it's a great opportunity to jump on board if you missed... Uh, you missed everything up and up into and including Bava Kama. Bava Metzia is a wonderful Masefta. Uh, it's it's a great place to start, even if you haven't learned Dafyomi up until now. Um, but we're we're definitely going to try uh, together with uh, uh, my colleagues uh, to make it more of a thing, as they say, um, in uh, in the community. And uh, we'll try to pull the resources. We're trying to put together a regular shear for those who'd be interested, uh, live and or Zoom. Uh, but uh, either way, you can get a free dinner and join the CM, uh, in, uh at taking place at Madrigas other next week. And we have been reassured that it will be over in time uh, for the uh, the shear to take place as usual. Mr. Shem, we already have a. That's what that's what Ron was bringing up. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to negotiate, we're gonna have to negotiate. Um, but we already have a sponsor for next week. Okay, but you can uh, you can jump in as well uh, if you'd like to. Uh, next week's shear uh, is already sponsored by Mr. Dressler. Uh, for his mother's yurt site. Um, but, uh, okay, let's, let's begin. I want to review just one or two points from last week and expand upon it. Uh, I got a few complaints that it was a little too quick at the end. For, uh, for good reason, we were just trying to, uh, to strip in the end of Tosos. But basically, Tosos uh, rounded out the conversation about where we have examples that seem to either fly in the face of the principle of brachos uh, mucha lechavrta, try to understand what the exceptions are, uh, namely when, when you find either a situation where a bracha begins with baruch and it should not have because it's coming on the heels of, uh, of, of a bracha that did have a baruch conclusion. Or the other, uh, um, the other tricky situation is, is uh, um, places in the sitter where it would seem to be a large gap between the bracha at the beginning and the bracha at the end. And nevertheless, it still has the status of a bracha's mukhal chavrta. The examples we saw were psukhi uh, zimra, halal, bracha at the beginning, bracha at the end. Uh, so we said that even though there's an interruption in the middle, but sometimes... What what is found in uh, you know uh, in, in in between is is either the same theme or it's a similar uh, uh, continuum and therefore it doesn't break the flow that a brachos uh, uh, would would uh, require and the the example that the Gemara actually points to is the final bracha following kriyashma uh, it doesn't start with baruch it starts with emes v'yatsiv okay and nevertheless it's piggybacking on the conclusion of avaraba so just. Take three minutes, maybe, just to uh, uh, to look at this a little more carefully. Um, the uh, the Rashbam in Psachim uh, gives a little bit of a, a deeper twist to that. Why the the last the last bracha doesn't start with Baruch again? Because th- that principle saying that Shema in between uh, can be ignored, and we can still call it Shmuel Chavrta. He says you can't necessarily generalize from Shema. Why? Because that can, that can, continuity is unique. 
the last word of Shema, if I'd ask you what the last word of Shema is, what would you tell me? It's not true. Okay, okay. The Evans is really the first word of the next paragraph. However, there's a halacha that we all follow that you're not allowed to be mafsik between Hashem al-Kechem and Emes, right? So we always say it as one unit. So it's almost as if Shema is one long bracha that precedes what we, what we call Emes Vyatsev. So it, it is really one long stretch after Avarava. So that gives you even more, we'll say, reason to call that Smuch al That's what the Rajbam says, okay? Obviously, um, the, uh, the fact that, that Kriya Shema is always recited in that sandwich, is, uh, is another, uh, we'll say, bonus points, the Tosas Rush says, and the Abadrum says, uh, for, for that reason, meaning uh, we asked about Kriya Satora, right? Why we have bracha before and bracha after each aliyah, and the bracha after starts with Baruch, right? So we gave an explanation last week from Tosas that it used to be that you only made a bracha at the beginning and at the very end of the seventh aliyah, and as a result, it was a very long stretch in between. So as a result, we, you know, as, uh, as the halacha developed, and it emerged that every person gets an aliyah and makes a bracha before and afterwards, we kept that same template of a bracha uh, before and after with Baruch. But, there could, but, but that's, that's going to be variable, because every parsha is going to be a new, a new interruption. So by Kriyashma, if you want to say it's one long unit, because it's the same Kriyashma every single day, all right, so it means that all the brachas are sort of programmed to belong in that place. Whereas a variable Kriyashma Torah that comes in between, maybe that's where it wouldn't work. Alternatively, the Rashba has this, but uh, I think... Uh, 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 Rav and, and his grandfather, Chaim Salvechik, made a, a special point of this. The brachos of Kriyashma are not, uh, they're not arbitrary. And obviously, you know, they're not, uh, we wouldn't think they're completely arbitrary, but if you look carefully at each one of the brachos, each one is supposed to reflect the themes of one of the three paragraphs of, of Shema. The easiest example to point to is the last paragraph of Shema, which focuses on Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, and that, of course, is the theme of Ga'al Yisrael that we, we finish that series with. Okay? But each one of those brachos is meant to bring out one of the themes of the respective paragraphs of Kriyashma, so therefore they're embedded in that way. I'll give you a riot for this. This was one of the uh, beautiful riots. Um, obviously, those brachos are Midraban. Kriyashma is the Raisa. The Gemara, Mr. Shem, one time, one day we'll get to it, on Dafkhov Alf, I think, says if you're not sure if you said Kriyashma, what do you do? You should say it, just in case, because it's a subject of Raisa Luchomer. But the Gemara says, this is how we paskin, that you should actually say all the brachos as well with the Kriya Shema that you repeat. Why should that be so? The brachas are Savik Rabbanu Makula, the Shema is Savik Rabbanu Lechomra. The answer is, Chazal instituted those brachos to be said anytime Shema is said. Okay? And therefore, even if I'm only repeating Shema out of doubt, the brachos were instituted to be said even in that case. What that does is reinforce the fact that those brachos are not just they happen to be before, happen to be after Shema, but they're actually part and parcel of the package of, of Shema. Okay? Yeah. If you daven Baruch too early to say three parshas of Kriyashma, then you repeat it later, either at night or right before you go to bed. In that case, we don't. In that case, we don't. No, no. you wouldn't no. say it. You would just say Ani Hashem You wouldn't say Emet because you're not continuing, right? But we say it anyway. I think. Uh, I think we say it anyway because I mean, you're not supposed to be mafsik between Hashem Olkechem and Emet. Yeah, but, but if you're not saying anything after, you're not saying Emet Viyati. If you're just saying the three parshas of Kriyashma, you know, I think so. Man, I think you right? say it anyway. I think you say it anyway. Double check, but I think so. Yes. Yeah, but that, that's what the word says on Dafidal. We don't interrupt. Okay, almost done. Haftorah is a major conversation in the. Very sorry about that. Okay. Uh, don't know what that was. All right. Know what that was? Okay. Um, the uh, Haftorah, all the brachos we make after the Haftorah are, are do begin with Baruch Hashem, right? So, so the Haftorah in the middle should be similar to 
the Kriyas HaTorah Shaila, right? Um, but it may be different because, number one, those brachas that we say after the Torah really have nothing to do with the Torah. The bracha before the Torah is very much focused on Nevi'im, right? But the brachas afterwards, those are a little more tangential, maybe they're completely tangential. Another explanation which is fascinating is, where did the Torah come from? Where do we get the practice of reading the Torah every Shabbos? Because there was a time there was a Gzera, you weren't allowed to, you weren't allowed to read uh, from the Torah. And uh, that's why every, um, every Torah has a minimum of 21 psukim. Because back in, in those days, they had to read a minimum of 21 psukim. Because three times seven, right, it would reflect the, the Takan of Kriyasa Torah. They couldn't do from the Torah, they didn't have Torah. So there, a lot is patterned after the Takan of Kriyasa Torah. So some say, well, because we have a Baruch Hashem, and in that context of, uh, of, of laning, regular laning, as we said before, every Aliyah has a Baruch at the beginning and a Baruch at the end. So maybe because that Torah was patterned after Kriyasa Torah, it follows suit as well. They're, right. Oh, so the exception to the rule, actually, it's a, it's a Purim exception because um, the morning of Purim, happy uh, Purim cutting, everybody. Happy uh, Purim cutting. Uh, tomorrow morning, the Ramah says that uh, even though the halacha is, you don't have to have a Suda, but we should try to be Yossi, those who are Machbir, and be extra happy and add a little bit to uh, be Marbib Suda. So uh, uh, keep it in mind. We should we'll have a shear and some breakfast tomorrow also, maybe. Um, but uh, the, the, uh, it says over there that the morning of Purim, we read by Yavah Amalek at the end of Vishalach, which is only nine Pesukim. Yeah. Normally, the Gemara says you have to have a minimum of ten Pesukim. That's one, example, uh, one exception because uh, it's, a, it's a full unit. I think the Sephardim, the Sephardim repeat the last Pesuk of Kiyad al Keska Melchamav Hashem Bamalek. They repeat that again to get a total of ten, but the Ashkenazim just read nine, and, and, the, and you have a handful of Haftorahs that are less than 21 because if it's a full unit, if it's a whole story, so then that's fine. Last point is, because it's from Kutten, the Megillah. We say the bracha of Haravis Rivenu after, after the Megillah is over, and that also starts with the Baruch HaTashem. So the reason for that could be because um, that, the, it, it, it wasn't across the board that everyone said that bracha exactly as we say it. The Gemara says in Megillah, there's some places that have the minik, some places they wouldn't have a chasima, they wouldn't have a Baruch HaTashem at the end of the bracha. So because that needed a Baruch HaTashem at the beginning, we all add the Baruch HaTashem at the beginning. Another reason what the Ramban says, which is very interesting to think about, is maybe you can't get a smukha lechavrta from the bracha at the beginning of Al-Mikra Megillah, because then we throw in a Shasanisam Lavasenu and Shachianu. So even if the, the bookends of Amikra Megillah and Aravis Rivenu would have formed a Smuchal Chavrta with Megillah in the middle, but Shasanisim and Shachianu sort of detour that. You could have said, why do they detour? You know, that's all part of the mitzvah of the Megillah also. You know, this, this is Shasanisim, this is Prismanisim. Okay, that's what the Ramban says. All right, you got the whole uh, gamut of, uh, of this sugya of when we have these exceptions and why they should be so. We're ready to go back there on Dab Memvav on base 46b. Memvav on base 46b. Okay, we are one, two, three, four, five. Well, let's start from the third line. Third line at the end of Amr of Nachman Bar Yitzchak. Okay, the Gemara has a series of proofs demonstrating that the bracha of Hatov HaMitav is only Durabanan. Because if you remember from a couple weeks ago, that explained the Bryces that, uh, that talk about two brachos in benching, three brachos in benching, but seem to ignore the fact that there's a fourth bracha in benching. So we said because those Tanaim are assuming. Hatova Meitiv is Durabanan, and therefore it doesn't enter the count. Okay? Hatova Meitiv, the last bracha benching, was added on later, as we said, after the miracle of uh, Betar when the uh, bodies did not uh, decompose. Okay. 
So Gemar says, Amrav Nachman Bar Yitzchak, Teidah Datova Meitiv Labdor Raisa. I'll give you another proof that Datova Meitiv is not a part of the Doraisa unit of Brachos of Benching. Shari Okrin Osa Bebesa Avil. Because we remove it from the benching in the base of Last time we spoke about the polem, that the the uh, the proof that Tatova Metiv is Draban because the, the workers leave it out. And now we're saying the base of we also we also leave it out. Mahim, Omrim Avel, what is the proper benching in a base of Baruch Hatov Bahamitiv. Rabkiva Omar Baruch Emes. So Tanakama says, seemingly well, let, let's we'll, we'll suggest one shot in this Kamar is that the fourth bracha of Tova Metiv is shortened. Okay, it, the way we have it is it's a whole paragraph, bar, the, the the final bracha benching. But in the base of Avel, it was said in a shorter form. The Spicer says, and Rebbe says Baruch Dina Emes. The bracha apparently that concludes benching in the base of Avel is Dina Emes. So we're going to ask a Tova Metiv in Dina Emes low. Is the uh, is the um, Tanakama suggesting that you say a Tova Metiv and you don't say Dina Emes? Elayma Afa Tova Metiv. No, Tanakama is trying to say. Um, that you even say hatova metiv. So either the pshat is what the Gemara is proving from here that you say a, 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 an abridged version of hatova metiv, or it's saying that according to Bikiva, you do switch hatova metiv and you put dynamis in between uh, instead. Okay, but either way, there's something unusual that happens in the base of Avel, and the Gemara says by virtue of the fact that it is, we'll, we'll say it, uh, we'll, we'll say it's 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 uh, it's dispensable. Okay. Um, that shows you that it's not Doraisa, because if it was Doraisa, then for sure, every benching would have to have a Tova Meitiv in it. Marzutra was once visiting Ravashi, Isra Bey Milsa. And an unfortunate circumstance happened, which is the Gemara's way of saying that uh, he lost a relative and he was sitting Shiva. Pasach Ubarach, Hatova Meitiv, Kel Emes Dayan Emes, Shofit Betzedek, Lokeach Bemishpat, Besholet Bolamo, Lasos Bokirtsono. Okay, that is a totally foreign nusach, okay, which seems to be what the Gemara is trying to do is, is give a, a real live case that once occurred where instead of saying Hatova Metiv, or in, I should say better, in addition to Hatova Metiv, in addition to Hatova Metiv, he said this long, uh, long uh, addition, we'll give a, a quick translation. Uh, the righteous judge uh, who takes away uh, neshamos in mishpat in, in judgment, he controls the world to do what he wants to do. What he wants to do, all of his ways are just. Everything is his. We are his nation. We are his servants, and in every way we have to thank him and bless him. Uh, who uh, Hashem is the golden prince of Israel. He is the one who well, uh, wells up the holes in the. Uh, uh, and, and amongst the Jewish people, who he should also fill in this gap that unfortunately is created by the loss of this uh, loved one. Okay? Now, what is this bracha? Um, the Pashup shot is, and it's brought down in Shulchan Aruch, that this is really what you're supposed to say. You don't always have a zimun in a, in a base avil. Usually the avil are eating when, you know, when, uh, during off hours or when no one's looking and you're hiding in the kitchen or something like that. But you have to have a situation to begin with where there's where there's going to be three Avelim sitting together, three men, three male Avelim uh, sitting together, for this even to get off the ground. Um, but if that's the case, the, the, uh, the Shulchan Aruch says that this is what you should do. For some reason, it's fallen out of practice. It's almost impossible to even find this printed. The only time I think I've seen it in print was maybe in the, in the bereavement sitter that the article put, put out, which is relatively recent. Uh, but, uh, you know, for some reason, it fell out of practice. No one's 100% sure why. Some suggest that maybe... 
Maybe the reason is because the Rishonim, uh, some hold that it's only said when you have a minion of ten. So how often are you going to have a minion of ten people you know, eating together at, uh, at the base of It's not so common. Um, but there are those who disagree. The only thing I can say about this uh, topic is that uh, I recall, I wasn't there, but the story, story goes that when Shatu was sitting, uh, 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 when sitting Shiva, uh, he couldn't find it anywhere. So he opened up a Shulchan Aruch, and he read it out of the Shulchan Aruch, because that was the only place that, uh, that, it, that it exists. But uh, um, we have to understand why it has fallen out of practice. It is unclear, but that is indeed the, uh, uh, the minog, it seems. Okay, the next lines of the Gemara, we read already uh, last week, or two weeks ago, Le'echon Uchoser, this is jumping back to an earlier suga. Le'echon Uchoser, where does he go back to? Rashi says it means, where does he go back to after he had answered to the Zimon, but wasn't benching with them? Okay, and uh, now he's picking up the benching uh, to complete whatever is missing. So uh, this is part of that discussion about uh, whether or not you can start from Noda. Um, we saw two Pshatim Tosos, this is talking about Le'echon um, Uchoser, meaning that the person is leading the Zimon. After he says, Nevarah Shachal Mishalau, right? And the people answer, Baruch Shachal Mishalau should he repeat what they said? Or should he repeat what he said, Nevarah Shachal Mishalau? That's the, uh, the subject over here. The Gemara says, Where does he go back to? Whatever, you know, uh, however you learn uh, what the interruption was. Rav Zvid Mishmei Abaya Amar Chozul Rosh, Rabbanan Amri Lamakum Shapasak, Vehilchasal Lamakum Shapasak. The Rabbanan say, and this is how we paskin, that you go back to where you stopped, which, according to, again, the, uh, uh, the Tosos means that the leader of the benching said, the other people said, I'm sorry, he says, they say, and he repeats what they said, meaning he, he returns to the place where he left off, which they had already said, he repeats after them, and then everyone starts the first paragraph of benching. Okay? That's if that's that's talking about when the the other two people were benching in the first place and he wasn't benching with them. So Rashi says he waits and listens to them. But where this is this is after the fact. Now when he's ready to bench, okay, that's how Rashi says. But we well, as we said before, Tosos learns that this Gemara is not talking about the guy, the group that that split up. It's talking about um, the person who's leading the benching. What is he? What does he start with after the people around the table have answered his? Nevarich. Okay? Okay. Um, let's begin the next sugya. I have to say, the next sugya is mysterious. Okay? I uh, never fully understood what this Gemara is doing here until a few weeks ago. So, uh, I want to make a suggestion. It may be a little bit uh, radical, but uh, hold on. You heard it here first. That is Hashem. Okay. Yeah. How did you figure out what it's I was inspired by something I saw in the Sefer, which is why I brought it today. Um, but we're going to go a little bit further than that he suggests, okay? <laughs> Stay tuned. We are at the two dots. Amr le Reish Galusa. It's about uh, 15, 18 lines from the top. Amr le Reish Galusa. Okay. Amr le Reish Galusa, Lord of Sheshis. Even though you are elder rabbis, the Persians are much better at, at uh, dining etiquette, I guess we'll say. Okay, biki means like a bucky, someone who knows something very well. Tzorchei suda, in the, in the manners of how you conduct yourself at a suda, they, they know what they're doing better than the rabbis do. Bizman shehin mitos. Okay, so you could just give a little background over here. This is back in the days when people would recline on a bed, uh, you know, next to the table instead of eating, you know, at a, uh, on a chair. Okay, so with, let's say there are two people dining together. 
Gadol Mesa Barosh, Vesheni Lo If there are two people dining together, so let's let's assume the uh, the, the the elder, the more chashu uh, uh, person sits over here, okay, and the his his partner, whoever he's uh, he's dining with, is sits lamaylahimenu. Now lamaylahimenu means if his head is over here and he's reclining, the seat over here. So lamaylahimenu means his friend sits over here, okay. It's going to be a little bit strange, but just stay with me. So the the uh, the the, the chashu guy is over here, his head is over here, and his friend sits. On that side of him. Okay, now why they couldn't be opposite each other, that's not for now, but th- that's, that was the convention. They would, they would line themselves up on the same side of the table, okay, according to this shot in the Gemara, and, uh, and, and, and the, the other guy would be at his head. What's that? Uh, the toes of the second in command next to the head of the chief. Okay. shalosh. If there was a third person <coughs> at the table, um, then he would put his head at the toes of the, the uh, I don't know, the master. Okay? Now, what is that about? The, you'll, it'll be clear from the Gemara that it, it, it facilitated conversation. It was difficult as it is to converse with each other based on you know, how they were sitting in that awkward side-to-side fashion. <clears throat> but it, it made it easier for them to communicate. We'll see in a moment. Amrlay, so now Roshesha says back, because the Rish Luz hasn't yet explained what the purpose of sitting in this formation is. Um, Amr, oh, no, I'm sorry. Amr-le, I'm sorry. back to him. When he wants to speak to him, okay, you're going to force the elder statesman who's in the middle to now get up, right? If he wants to talk to the guy to his left, right? Because that's what we said is the basic formation of only two of them, right? So you're going to make him get up from his, uh, his seat and he's going to have to turn in that direction in order to talk to him. Okay, so he says, well, what's the purpose of that? You're just making it very inconvenient for him. It would actually make more sense if the guy was on his right, because then he, at least he would, you know, he could sort of like speak in that direction, which is the direction he's facing anyway. So no, the Persians are, are unusual. They don't always communicate uh, verbally. Sometimes they would communicate with pantomime, with, with sign language, something like that. So he didn't have to get up from where he was sitting. He could just like signal with his hands up here and the guy next to him would know what he's talking about. Okay? Very, very strange. Okay? I don't know. Um, I mean, once... All right. Okay, let's continue. Um, now, we're not done with the Persian practices. So, so uh, I guess Rishesh uh, is asking more questions. Okay, you know, let's, let's hear what they, what they do in Persia. When they're, when they're washing their hands before the meal. Okay, so who gets to go first? What's the order of washing? The Gadol washes first. Okay, so he said back to him, wait a minute. If the, if the, if, if the Chashav guy is one who, uh, he's going to have to sit quietly. No one wants to sit quietly for a lot of time. That's not respectable to make him have to just, you know, sit there twirl his thumbs. So, In those days, they didn't have a, a big table. They had these little TV trays or whatever you call it. You know, that's, we know that from the Haggadah. Right, uh, our Haggadah says they cover the matzahs, you uncover the matzahs, but we know from the Gemara, from the Shonim, that they would literally remove the table, and that would really make the kids ask, you know, what's going on over here. So to over here, as soon as the Gadol would wash his hands, they would bring him a tray with his food, so he wouldn't have to sit quietly, he could just uh, partake right away. My machron mehechem maskilin. What about my machron? What order do you wash after the meal? Amalei menakatan. The 
The smallest person in Chashivas is the one who washes first. So now he turns the question around. He says, okay, if you're going to make the gadol, wash last. So he's sitting there, you know, I, I assume they, maybe they ate more with their hands. I don't know. Wings, whatever, you know, Super Bowl party. So, so the gadol is sitting there with his, his dirty hands. That's not nice. That's also not nice. So he says, you're right. We don't want to leave the gadol in that uh, uncomfortable position, but we also don't take away his food. The people who are lower in stature, we take away their food, and that's a hint. Okay, now it's time for you to wash. But the gadol can eat up until the very end, so it doesn't bother him to have dirty hands because he's still, he's still enjoying his meal. Okay, that is the end of the presentation of Persian, Persian practices. Amr of Sheshis, of Sheshis has backed him. Okay, fine. All I know is what it says in the Brisa. What is the order of proper you know, uh, seating at the table? As we said, it would make more sense. The Godol is at the head of the table, wherever that is. And the, the Shani, the second in command, is at his feet so that he is, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the Godol doesn't need to reposition himself in order to talk in that direction. And we switch that around when there's three people at the table. Uh, the, the second in command goes to his left, the third in command goes, goes to his right. So obviously someone's going to have to be inconvenienced a little bit because if we're going to sit in a line, it's impossible to make everybody happy. This seems to be in line with the Persians. The Godel washes first. Okay, so, so now we have a little bit of a, a twist. What about my when there's five people? When there's five people at the table, the first person you give the Mayim to is the Godel. But if there's a hundred, which really just means six or more, okay? If there's any more than five people, um, up to a hundred, a thousand. First you give it to the smallest person at the table. Hey, until you get down to the last five people at the end of the, uh, yeah, at the head of the table. And then you stop, skip number five, go to number one, two, three, four, five, and you end up putting in the same sequence that you do when you only have five people at the table, Okay. This is the key. The place that the Mayim jump to, right? As we said, when you get to the last five, you go to the, the Gadol. That's the person who's also supposed to lead the benching. Bracha Chozeres, meaning that we, we give him the bracha, meaning he can make the bracha for everybody else. Um, Fine. Okay? Now, what that is about uh, is a Machok Zrishonim. Let's, let's use the following shot for now. Um, the reason why the reason why you skip when you get to those last five people is because you want to give the person leading the benching uh, a minute or two just to review the benching in his head. So let him wash first, so he can already now be focused on chazring. Again, they didn't have benches; they didn't have benches. Everything was in their head for the most part. So uh, so he had to uh, review the benching on his own. So let him wash and uh, and, and be prepared. And whenever you know they're ready to go, he'll be ready to go as well. Uh, last line: Misayele l'rav. The Amr Bar Rav. This supports what Rav said. The person who washes my machronim first, meaning first out of five, he is the one who is mezum the bracha. He is the one who is prepared. He is the one who is designated for um, for benching. And then a, a story along these lines. Rav and Rav were talmidim of Rav Yiranasi. Right, we know that Rav Yudanasi was at the end of the period of the, of the Tanaim. Rav was actually the bridge between the period of the Tanaim and the Amoraim. His chavrusa was Shmuel, um, but even though Shmuel was an Amora, Rav was still lingering from the previous generation. Every once in a while, the Gemara says Rav Tanu Pollock, He's allowed to argue with 
with a with, with a, a brisa with a mishnah and Rabbiya, who was also Tom at the same time, he's really the author of the Toseftas, which is also the very end of the uh, Taniatic literature. Um, but uh, this is you know we're parachuting into that critical moment in history, and they were they were having a Shabbos meal at the Rebbe's house. Haviyaspin Sudasa commanded the Rebbe. They were sitting at a meal in front of Rebbe. Armerle Rebbe Larav Kum Mashiyadach. So Rebbe said to his Talmud Rav, go and wash your hands. Chazit commences, and he saw that Rav was getting very nervous. He was shaking. He was, like, uh, he was very anxious about something um, because Rav thought like, he was being kicked out of the meal. You tell him to wash his hands, you know, either uh, he must have done something wrong. He must have done something wrong. He doesn't belong there. So he was getting a little bit nervous that, uh, you know, uh, uh, Rebbe didn't want him there. So Amalei Bar Pachli, we'll just say that was a compliment, Okay. Um, all I was telling you to do was wash your hands get, get ready for benching uh, so that we'll be ready to start when, when we're all done okay so that's just I, I think that is maybe supportive of the Rajput Pshat and the Sugya the reason why we, we give the Mivarech uh, is as you see from that story that it was an opportunity for him to sit quietly and, and help Chazer uh, prepare for the benching okay so what, what's this Persian story what, what, what do we learn from this? What, what, is it, what does it add to our knowledge? Uh, okay, we do it differently than, than the Persians do, but... I, I, what's that? Oh, okay, well, that was Rish Kulis' opinion. Maybe we don't care what Rish Kulis says. You know, maybe... Uh, clearly, Rav Shesha said, look, I follow what it says in the Brisa, so I'm, I'm willing to take sides with, uh, with Rav Shesha. So this is a, a very nice safer called the Shara Mitzion Ba'alach. It's on most of Shas. It was written by a Rav in, um, in Brooklyn. This was published in, uh, in the late 90s. Chaim Braun. Anyone know who that uh, is? I know, uh, I know some Rabbanu who, uh, who uh, learned from him, but uh, he uh, nice little comments and, and marmakomos, and uh, I couldn't find anyone else who spoke about it, so I wanted to see what, what, what he had to say. So he does bring one pshat from the Sefer Magad Taluma that we weren't talking about Persians, Persians like Achashverosh, we're talking about uh, Persian Jews. Okay, the Persian Jews, Mordechai and Esther, you know, whatever, they, uh, they had certain methods in the, in the dining that was uh, admirable that uh, I guess he thought uh, Rav Sheshik could learn from. Okay, interesting shot. The Pashim shot is that that's not what we're talking about. So, what he says over here is that apparently... Rav was sitting at the table with, with the Rish Galusa, and they were discussing some shilas that pertain to the halachas of the meal. And in the middle of the meal, in the middle of the conversation, Rish Galusa praised the Persians. And as we saw, Rav says back, you know, okay, whatever the Persians do, that's fine, but we do what it says in the Brisa. In order to emphasize that we don't follow their minhagim, even in what we would call Hilchos Derech Eretz. Right? Where does this Brisa come from? If you look in, uh, in your Gemara, Ketzad Seder Haseba. So where does that send you to? There's a little gimel. I have a little gimel in, uh, my, uh, on my page that sends you to the Masorah Sashas, Tosefta Perakei Alachei. So it's in, it's in brachos. It's in brachos. But this is what we call, you know, uh, theoretically part of Mesechas Derech Eretz, which is actually the name of Mesechta. We don't really learn too much, but uh, there, there's a section in Shulchan Aruch. There's a, sec- a section in Shulchan Aruch of how to bathe at the table, right? It says, I'll, I'll, I'll translate it into modern terms. I don't know where this thing came from. You go to shul sometimes and people leave their dirty tissues on the table. You know what I'm talking about? I can't understand that. I don't understand that. that I, when I was younger, I never saw anyone leave a dirty tissue on the table. So it says in Shukhar, you don't do things that will, forgive me, gross out the person next to you. 
Okay, you don't uh, you don't put your hands into the serving dish. You know th- these are halachas and shofar also. Okay, some of them don't apply anymore because th- some of them have the convention has has uh, has changed. But uh, you know, double dip the chip. Time of the machaver, they're also talking about uh, double dipping the chip. Okay, so <coughs> Rav Sheshit was telling him that we have certain minhagim, and those minhagim are adhered to. So we're not talking about the minhagim of like, do you stand for Kiddush, do you sit for Kiddush? We're talking about something which ostensibly doesn't really have any halachic uh, bearing. But it does. What I want to suggest is that we have a paradigm for where these types of minhagim do play a major, major role in halacha. And that's the Gemara in Sanhedrin that says, normally if someone puts a gun to your head and says, I want you to violate one of the mitzvahs in the Torah, so you say, okay, do it. Eat a cheeseburger. Uh, better if it was a chicken cheeseburger, but uh, eat, eat a cheeseburger if that's what uh, he tells you to do, but don't give it up your life. If he tells you to do one of the three cardinal aveiros, Gila Raya, Shukhazdamim, and Avodah okay, so then you have to give up your life. That's the Mitzvah of Kiddush Hashem. Where do we learn the Mitzvah of Kiddush Hashem from? They have to give up your life? People don't know this, but they do know it. We all know that, right? Even if you have to give up your life. It's, 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 it's a very deep just realization when you appreciate that the martyrdom, the mitzvah of giving up your life, is rooted in the love of Hashem. Right? Meaning, I love Hashem more than anything else. I love Him even more than my life. We say it in Shema all the time. We have to. That when, when we brought Rabbi Kiva out to be uh, to be tortured and killed by the Romans, right? So he said he said Shema, right? And they asked him, "How could you be saying Shema right now?" So Rabbi Kiva said, "What do you mean? Every single day I say Shema. That's what I've been thinking about. I've been hoping and waiting and anticipating this day, one day that I'd, I'd actually be able to put it into practice. So that's what we think about when we say about this Shema." Then the Gemara says. That that uh, there's a few other examples where you give up your life, if um, if uh, if it's in public, um, so then the rules change. Meaning, could be there's more situations that you give up your life uh, if it's going to be a kedusha shem And the Gemara then even says that there's there, there's more situations if the purpose of the guy is lahavir aladas. They want to. They have no personal interest in in making us violate the Torah. Just that they want us to. Capitulate and 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 uh, and betray Judaism. Okay, and sometimes that was the case with the Nazis. You know, sometimes they were just sadistic and and, and they tortured. But some they got a geschmack out of making the Hasidic Rebbe shave off his beard, right? Why? Well, you know, what does the Nazi gain from making him shave off his beard? Nothing. But this Rebbe who would never shave in a million years, they made him shave off his beard. The Gemara says, even if they ask you to change the color of the shoelaces that you wear, if all Jews. Wear black shoelaces, just, you know, uh, Le Marshall. And uh, they say, no, look at these new, uh, you know, green neon shoelaces that uh, we're, we're, we're trying, to, trying to market, okay? Uh, we, we make a decree on the Jewish population, you need to change the color of your shoelaces. If that is a, uh, uh, an established common practice to wear black shoelaces, then you have to give up your life rather than, 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 uh, than, than even giving up what is a minog. And, and what's a minog? Shoelaces. You know, like what, what halacha is there in shoelaces? Chalitza, I guess. That's about it. You know, but that's not, really, that's, not really, that's not really what we're talking about, right? You have to give up your life because even a minog has a binding uh, uh, power to it that we can't, we, can't, uh, uh, we can't be lax about when they're putting us to the test. And again, what's at stake is the, the, uh, the maintaining Yiddishkeit. So perhaps the extent of this Gemara and the, the relevance, the practical relevance of this Gemara is Rosh wasn't just saying, oh, you do like that, we do like this, to each his own, you know, whatever floats your boat, you know. Uh, it, no, he was saying, we have a din, a minog that creates a din. You want us to follow your ways? Okay, maybe we'll think about it. But when push comes to shove, if they put us to, uh, you know, uh, to the stake 
and to sacrifice even something as small as in which position we would sit, that would also require our adherence to the Minhagi Yisrael. Okay? Now, there are far-reaching implications of this. I'm not going to get into this right now, but uh, give one application. Um, there was an article, and this goes back to, I think, the 80s or 90s, um, Rav Shachter and a number of other, um, a number of other uh, Rabbanim from YU released statements you know, in response to, to shows that they had um, that they had received on on various minhage based aknesses, and what the, the salvation was still alive at the time, and what they communicated to it, in this letter was that there's certain minhagim of Ashur that also fall in this category that in theory could rise to the level of Yehar Yavar. But I think one one thing which which uh, I think once you hear it, now we put it all together, it'll make sense. I think one application that Salvechik directly addressed was I don't know if this was in the 50s or the 60s, but the conservative movement saw that no one was coming to Shul on Shabbos anymore. Right? At that point, they weren't ready to say it's motor to drive to shul, which now they do say. But in those days, they said, okay, we'll, we'll hire a guy to drive around in a bus and pick up all the people in town and bring them to shul. So, you know what? It's not crazy. It's a non-Jewish person. Amir la'akum, l'tzorach mitzvah, l'tzorach rabbin. Look, we have Tony turn on the lights. Okay? All right. That's also l'tzorach rabbin. We have certain haterim like that in, in, uh, in, uh, in, in halacha. It's not so crazy. Um, but Rosalvich said no. Okay, first, you have to be, you know, uh, uh, adopt the position that, that uh, the conservative movement was trying to undermine with certain psukim of, of theirs uh, the, you know, what, what was fundamental to orthodoxy at the time, okay? Um, and as a result, even something which was, again, an Isra Drabanan to have the guy drive the car, at best an Isra Drabanan, but because it was the hallmark, driving to shul on Shabbos became the hallmark of the non-orthodox, so Shalvechik said that that fits into that Gemara of Yehari uh, Yavor, even on Minhagi Yisrael. So it's, it's very interesting, and it has, has a broad range of applications, not for now, but, uh, but could be. Uh, that's my suggestion. That maybe that, that, that's what that's a halachic uh, teeth of this sugya. Um, why it comes up over here exactly, I'm not sure. It should have been maybe in the eighth parak, but, uh, but there could be more to this minhag than, than just a minhag, you know, the way we use that term. Okay, uh, let's uh, go a little bit weiter. Okay, we are at the very bottom. Tana um, Rabbanon. One second, one second. What's that? Yeah, no, I just wanted, it was something I wanted to add. Just, uh, yeah, give me, give, if you don't mind, take a look at your uh, Mishaburas. Simon Kotei Gimel. Before we move on to an entirely different topic, the very end of Kopegimel, actually, Sif Ches. So, one thing which we, we didn't flesh out just interesting to think about is what is the status of Hatova Metiv? Is Hatova Metiv a long bracha or a short bracha? Is a long bracha or a short bracha? Okay, meaning it doesn't begin with Baruch and end with Baruch, right? It, be- it does begin with Baruch, Baruch Hashem, but at the end it's just the Olam Ali Chasreinu, right? That's very strange because we never have a bracha, and this is why the Gemara is trying to break its head to figure out why it's unique, and the Gemara says it's because of it's Rabbanon, but we don't have any, any brachos, none that I can think of right now, that are long 
but don't have a bracha at the beginning and a bracha at the end. Right? Because that's what the Gemara says is, is a basic characteristic of a bracha. It's poseach b'barach and it's chosim b'barach. So it leaves it up, it leaves it us, uh, up to us to, to wonder what is the static status of hatov ha-metiv. And it's machogus rishonim, okay? Um, but you might ask, who cares? Okay? What difference does it make? So I think there is a nafkamina, which is very practical. One, the, 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 the main practical difference between a long bracha and a short bracha. A short bracha, let's say, is bori priya eitz. Okay, a long bracha is asher yotzer. The big nafkamina would be if you hear kaddish in the middle of bori priya eitz. So do you answer your heishmei rabba? The answer is no. You may be able to really finish it really quickly and answer afterwards, maybe. Okay, but uh, a bracha that is a short formula, there's really no interruptions for it because by the time you start, you're, it's over. There's, there's no room for a hefzik. A bracha aruka like Asher Yatzar, or let's say the last of the brachos, uh, you know, which we said last week goes all the way to Goma Chasad and Tovim Lamu Yisrael. If you hear, it happens all the time. If you're a little bit behind, or you know, uh, and and you're in one, one of those long brachos, you can answer Yesh Me Rabbah, and you can answer Damiron Bramavim Ru Amen. That that uh, at the end of the first section of the Kaddish. Um, so it should make a difference if it's a bracha aruka or it's a bracha kitzara. Okay. Um, so just, just a little, uh, 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 not a quiz, but uh, a, a little bit of a, a trick. What about benching? I would have said that benching is a bracha aruka, right? Each one of the paragraphs of benching are long. So we just had a tova metiv, we just had a tova metiv, is what? Maybe it's a bracha aruka, maybe it's a bracha kitzara. Not if I can answer in the middle of it, right? But the other brachas know that, know there's a long bracha, right? So you tell me if you hear, you hear kash in the middle, I should be able to answer Yehishmei Rabba. Look what the Shulchan Aruch says in Sifchas. As far as if you're in the middle of benching and you want to, someone, someone comes by, if you're familiar with the Gemara earlier in the Masechta, if there's a, a parent or a Rebbe or someone who you have to fear, there's certain situations where you're allowed to wave, to, say hello to them or respond to them. Shulchan Aruch says, According to one opinion, this is the opinion of the Orchas Chaim, quoted in the, in the Beis Yosef, benching is like Shimon Esrei. Benching is like Shimon Esrei. Unbelievable. No interruptions. That's even more strict than Kriyashma. If I'm in the middle of Kriyashma, Brichas Kriyashma, I can answer him in Yishmei Rabba. Shokhanach brings an opinion that benching is like Shimon Esrei. You cannot respond to anything. And, and that includes an Amen. Okay, Shlomo Zalman Arbach says like that. You shouldn't answer Amen. And I, I just, I was discussing this with, uh, with someone recently. It's just eye-opening because we should think about our benching with the same gravity and, and personal audience, as it were, uh, with the Rebona Shlomo. Again, even though it breaks the rules because those are long brachos and you should have been able to interrupt for the appropriate uh, responses. Kamash Malan, it's like, it's like Tzvila. It's pretty, uh, pretty wild. What's that? But so is Krishma. So is Krishma. So the Mishabura says the shot like this. Why would we raise it up a level? So he says, uh, don't try this at home. But the halach is once you say Shema, first Pasuk of Shema and Boshim Kod Machusal and Void, technically speaking, if you need to walk around and do something, you're allowed to do it. Okay? Again, that's not the best way to say Shema. But as far as the halachas of Kavanah are concerned, you can get up and walk around after, you, you know, uh, after you've said those uh, initial sentences. Benching, you're supposed to sit in one place. So he says, benching and Shemona Esrei are the only two things where you have to stay in your seat the whole time. So why did Chazal require that? It, it must be because it's on a higher level of focus or, or you know, whatever you want to call it. And, and there's no room for interruption. Well, are you supposed to say, like, sitting down and not, not going around? No? 
that is, that is the right way to do it, 100%. But halachically, you, after the beginning, you may move. Okay, but we wouldn't, we wouldn't have equated benching with Shema, right? You know, we, we wouldn't have said that it's more Machmer than Shema. You're right, I, again. But, but uh, what's that? You have to get the uh, I guess so, I guess so. Yeah, I'll tell you a little secret. You don't have to be so Machmer about that. You know, uh, definitely within four Amos and probably anywhere in the same room, you know, make everything is okay. Yeah. In camp, yeah. That's what I, I thought that she was talking about. You had to bang on the table. I don't know about that. Yeah, okay. Table hopping, okay. So, if you're in the same room, it's okay. If you want to, you know, generally speaking, even if you left the room, if you have a kazayas of bread in your new location, so then you can, you can, uh, you can bench there also, but uh, best only if you had in mind to move there in the first place for some reason. Yeah. yeah. What about in between brachas? To finish a bracha, mm. before you start the next bracha, can you say yeah, amen there? It's a good question. I don't think so. I don't think so. In the same way that you couldn't do that by Shimon Esrei. Again, you know, if a person did, they, I, I, they, not everyone says like this. this the, the, when the Shulchan Aruch brings something as Yesh Misha Omer, okay, so it's acknowledged that it may, may be more of a Chumrah, but he's suggesting that you should follow this Chumrah, okay, which is, when you think about it, it's, it's what we call a Chumrah that's really a Kula, because we're saying be extra careful in, the, in avoiding interruptions of benching, even if it means you're going to miss an Amein or miss, you know, the chance to, to answer the Kaddish. Right, so it's a chumrah that's really a, a leniency, but he says that's what you should do. So I, yeah, I would say that's. But yet you answer amen to the mavari. Yet you answer amen. Oh, oh, okay. So the, oh, good. So the mafarshim asked this. The mafarshim asked, "Don't you see from the fact that the Ramah actually says Ramah says more than that? We, I think we saw this. Maybe Ramah says that the people who are answering to the mazamein, they should speed up a little bit to make sure they finish the first paragraph before the leader finishes it. So when he gets yeah. to the end, he's at amen. So that I think we can." We can remember what the Rav said. That if you remember, if you remember, we read in the Rambam. The Rambam, on the one hand, says, "Yes, yes." With the one hand, the Rambam says that as long as you hear beginning to end a bracha, even if you don't answer Amen, you're Yosef Shemekona. But in two instances, he said you have to answer Amen. I understand. You just told me you don't have to answer Amen by Zimon and Chazar Sashatz. And the Rav understood that because those two, uh, you know, collective brachos, either benching or Shmon Esri, are more than just. I'm being yote with you. But rather we have a chabura, we have a tzibur, and it's a, it's a, it's a tzibur being offered on the part of the entire tzibur. And, and he, he explained in the Rambam that answering a main to benching or answering a main in Chazar Sashat, it's a different type of a main than the rest of, rest of life. Sometimes a main is just, I agree, I support what you're saying, and I believe in the same thing you're saying. Here, it's the way that I, I actively, you know, get to be a part of that chabura is by answering a main. So it's, it's more than just saying it, it actually... It actually is what is what glues us together. So I think that's the answer to that question. I remember okay. I washed it, and I didn't make a mochi yet, but now the other guy washed. Can I answer? I made it to his. Uh, absolutely, his absolutely. Side. Because I'm about to reveal something. Yeah. Don't don't accuse me yeah. of of rejecting orthodoxy, uh-huh. but it's actually mochi to speak after you wash. Oh, it is. Wait, is that actually, or, or on anything? So, so I know this is this is uh, flies in the face of every. This is heresy. This is heresy. Okay. <laughs> so we there is a universal. Not to interrupt because you wash your hands, you you know, and now they have their 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 tahorim, and they're supposed to stay that way. You're not supposed to touch anything. You're not supposed to get distracted. There's a, there's a halacha for sure. You're supposed to wash and 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 make hamotzi uh, as soon as possible. That's mafurish and the gemara. 
So in order to streamline it, we we just say go right to it. Don't speak. You know. But I can but that that you can even say after you say Amotzi. That, that's what, the, even if, oh, I, if I say Amotzi, then I realize there's no there's no knife here. I can say please pass the knife if I can't okay. communicate otherwise. But what I'm saying is that before you make Hamotzi, there's no there's no iser to speak. Okay. There's a minute that we want to make sure that you you don't interrupt. Okay. But if but certainly if you hear someone else make a bracha at that point, okay. answer me. Last point, we have one minute left because because uh, uh, Alan uh, brought up the issue of in between brachos. Um, sort this out quickly. There is a halacha that we accept that if a person forgets Yalav Yavo, let's say in um, in Shimon Esrei, okay. So if you remember in the middle of Sim Shalom, you're supposed to go back to Ritzay, right? What if you remember before you begin the word modim? I just missed Amatzir Shkenas Lotzion, and before I start modim, I remember them. Do I have to go back to it? Say, we hold. You can stick in the olive right there. Okay, um, you have to be careful. I can say, you know, on my own when I do that, I very often accidentally go from the olive to, you know, uh, uh, the end of of Nenu, and that that could be rachamatala. So don't, don't do that. But you could insert what we're seeing over here is if that's where it belongs, you can get it in at the last moment. The same thing is true. Mashaburach Moragesham. right? Once you start atakadosh. You missed it. But I think you can stick it in right before. We bring this opinion. You can stick it in before you start out to Kadosh. So, so the, the Chavetz Chaim suggests maybe other things that, you know, the, the Gemara says later on, if I forget to mention, if I forget some of those things, normally I have repeat benching. He says, can I stick it in before I say Rachim? Uh, so he says, maybe. He says, maybe. He says, I'm not sure why I'm the first person to think about this, but it shows you that there is some, some room to stick things in, at least if that's where it belongs. Right? A main maybe doesn't actually belong there. That's why I'm not sure I'd make the jump. Wonderful Shabbos and a happy Purim Katan.